Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Cinema Fate Podcast for June 2023. I am your host, Jonathan Butrin, and I am joined by my good friend, Mr. Tim Nelson, in his own home. That's right. We are together, not across the table from each other, because I still have not figured out how to do that without dramatic, echoey problems, but we're on different levels, and I'm in his beautiful house, and it's wonderful. And we are trying out a brand new format today. And that is that I just pressed play on this episode, and we are recording, but I have nothing planned. No outline, no usual prep. Tim, we're going to just try this out and see what happens. What do you think? It sounds like my current format, John. <laughs> <laughs> it sounds like what you do every month. Exactly. It's what I do every month, yeah. So I, I feel very calm about it for me personally. Yeah, of course. Yeah. So for, yeah, as, as far as I'm concerned, usually I like, you know, I don't just write out everything I'm going to say, but I write out like an outline so that I feel like we've got a cohesive format and, and we know where we're going to go. But this time I thought it would just be fun to take a break from that for the first time ever and just be like, hey, what would happen if we sort of had a live show? That's what this is going to feel like. It's not really live. Like maybe next time, sometime we could do like a Facebook actual live event. But this is sort of like if we just did it live, this off is how it would cuff. be. Off, off the, the cuff. cuff. Off the cuff. Yeah. So it's no, exciting. I hope our listeners get something out of it and uh, we'll see what happens here. So first off, like I said, I'm in Kansas City. I have been here since, was it Friday? Thursday. We, Thursday. Well, probably Friday because it was, yeah, you got in at Thursday like night late. Yeah, yeah. So probably eight Friday. and a half hour drive from MKE and uh, didn't mind that. It was nice. And then what have we been up to, Tim? Remind we've me. Been, we've been doing a lot of things. We went swimming a lot because it's like, really oh. hot. Yes. And then we uh, went and we've gone out to eat a little bit. And then mm-hmm. we've had some steaks here because we always have steaks. John likes steaks. And I like then, meat uh, and salt. I think that's what we've established on this show in the past. Yeah, It's like beef jerky might be your next level, man. That's meat and salt. <laughs> we did The first thing we did is we attempted to go to a celebrity softball game. Right. But the bus, my kid's bus was like an hour late and we mm-hmm. only got there for like the last pitch. <laughs> so, so for context, there every year there's an event that happens here in Kansas City. It's called the Big Slick and you have celebrities like Paul Rudd and Jason Sudeikis and they come and they're raising money for Children's Hospital or Mercy Children's Hospital in yep. Kansas City. And it's an event that happens every year. And so the night before the actual event, they play a celebrity softball game at the Royals game. And that's what we attempted to go to. But... The bus was not working in our favor. We were late. We did uh, our best. So okay. anyway, we got there. John bought some killer seats. We like were hanging out. Basically, you could like look at all the expressions of all the players' faces. It was very cool. Yeah. So anyway, we were late. Couldn't do much about it. Got there. It was a great night. Rained on us a little bit. Felt good because it was like 90 degrees that day. Yes. Had a good time. The Royals did not win, which is not surprising if you follow baseball at all. Um, but... It was two to was it two to one I think and then in the seventh they gave up six it was something like that it was terrible it was terrible and I, my next door neighbors are A's fans and I said do you know the Royals <laughs> are the second worst team in all of baseball and they said yeah the A's are the worst yes they are yes they <laughs> I are felt, I felt a little better but yeah, yeah there were I think at the time of uh, the completion of that game weren't they like 
17 and 40 or something 17 and 39 something like that yeah pretty bad there's like no hope for them and we just started the season <laughs> I know. it was it was rough so but we did that that was fun like tim said it rained a little bit it was just a nice fun evening at the ballpark and then yeah we had the actual celebrity event next the following night and that was where we went to the t-mobile arena or whatever downtown kansas city and there were all these celebrities on stage and it's just like fun i don't know i could geek out about that like just seeing like Paul Rudd just right there like in the same room and it's just like fun man and they not only they did they have the celebrities that hosted but they had like stand up comedy they had some musical guests like Daughtry and the dude from Hoodie and the Blowfish Darius Rucker yeah it was fun man it was just a really nice night and I've never been to something like that and so it was really fun there was theological comedy there, too. <laughs> there was. There were some yeah. Jesus jokes that didn't hit below the belt that were actually like, you know, as people who follow Jesus were like, I get it. That's good. Yeah. It was pretty funny. I don't want to try to, I, if we try to deliver them, they'll be terrible. But they, right. it was good. It was and really I appreciated good. it. But anyway, so a lot of fun raising money for the kids, which is really cool. And then we got to kind of, it was like basically a variety show format. Right. And more entertaining than any of the Ant-Man movies. So, hey, there <laughs> you go. <laughs> and the Hot Wings guy was there. And they the all Hot did Wings like, guy from yeah. the internet, whatever that guy's name is, he was there. Right. Yeah. That's so fun. And, and then sports figures, which you don't care about, so you didn't even mention. The World Championship, Kansas City Chiefs, Pat Mahomes and Travis Kelsey were there. They were there. And they were a lot of fun. It was, it, was right. it was a big deal to the Kansas City locals. Not as much to me, but there it was excitement in the room that they were they're there. The, they're, they're Super Bowl champions, man. I know. The I MVPs. It. Come on. <laughs> but it was cool because they raised a lot of money for charity. And it's like, what well, I think the coolest part was like they have people like actually they did an auction where they'll auction off really cool things like, you know, an SNL package where you can fly to SNL. And there will be like actual like one of those auctioneers be like, I got 20,000. I got 21,000, 22,000, you know, and like people, you know. Go, it was cool. It, it was, was fun. Great. Yeah, it's fun. I went last year to about uh, to it, and I immediately I was like, John, we have to schedule a weekend around yes. this next year. And we did, and, we and did. it worked out. The celebrity game was the only thing that we kind of missed out on, but we still got to. We might have been, you know, gotten over Paul Reddit or over Sudeikist. We did, and they still sang "Take Me Out to the Ball Game" in the seventh, and we got to see them out there. So. That's true. Mm-hmm. But anyway, strong. You wouldn't guess it. You think you think like strong comedy cultures. You think L.A., Chicago, New York. Mm-hmm. But apparently, Kansas City has a pretty good culture for entertainment and uh, comedians and music, which I didn't. I just, I, you know, it's hard. I had no idea. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, Heidi Gardner was there. She was hosting for the first time from mm-hmm. Saturday Night Live. Weird Al was there. Finn Wolfgard from Stranger Things. It was crazy. It was just a lot of really celebrities. Cool. Yeah. yeah. It was a lot of fun. So that was that. What yeah. else? What else? We went out last night to a cool restaurant. It's just been a really relaxing thing, really special for me because I don't know. I have a pretty busy life, juggling kids and work and everything else, and so to be able to just come here and stop all the madness and it's it's been beautiful, and I'm so grateful for Tim. Like it just reminds me how grateful I am for our friendship, Tim. I'm gonna get sappy, but this is uh, why I, I mean it. Like it's just I think about every time, every night when I go to bed in your basement. They're like this. It's so I'm so grateful to be here. I'm so grateful for all of the memories that we've shared over the years, and that you would invite me into your home for a few days. It's it's Always, a really cool man. thing. It's yeah. it's our pleasure. It's just great to have you. So. And we've also have watched some movies. Uh, well, first John, what of have all, you been watching lately, John? <laughs> See, this, this is, is our... John's format, and he's got it kind of. They in keep my for head. keeping us on track, Tim. See, well, I'm wait totally, a minute, wait a minute. Without what's an outline, the we- I'm just. What's the weather been like here? 
the weather has been so hot um up there upper 90s most days but thank goodness there are some local pools that we've been able to cool off in which has been wonderful but yeah very hot very muggy definitely more than what i'm used to in milwaukee but so that's your weather report hot okay thank you john we yep. all we're sharing a weather report this week because we're in the same spot all right now i'm gonna keep going because um i know you're john tell me i know this is a movies podcast john yeah but first we should start t- with, with tv because that's what we do because i had an opportunity to show tim the show that i talked about on our last podcast which was the bear we actually binged all eight episodes of the bear and i was and tim graciously let me show it to him you did you like it tim what were your thoughts on the bear all right, so I'm going to confess something that happened. Okay, okay, I wake up really early. John showed me like two episodes, and I was kind of like, yeah, this is okay. And then I woke up really early, got my cup of coffee, and I like started binge-watching without John. And John had been like, hey, we'll watch this together. And I binge-watched without John because I liked it that much. Uh, and then John came in, and he's like, what are you doing? <laughs> and I'm like, sorry, I couldn't help myself. This is such a great show. Yeah. So uh, The Bear, good show. Really cool cinematography, cool lighting, great acting, cool characters. It's almost like a mystery because it reveals itself over the course of some of the episodes. And we're still learning. And it got renewed, didn't it? It did. Got renewed. Season two is coming in a few months. Great season finale to wrap it up and propel us into the next season. So, yeah. Tim, see, you heard it here. I was raving about it. Now Tim's raving about it. Listeners, you got to check this out. It's on Hulu. Just bite the bullet you got to watch the bear it's good stuff it's a, it just has great characters there's nothing like i mean that sh- it's it's high quality in like every way it's just a yep. good show so yeah so thank you john for introducing me to that because i don't know if i would have done that on my own so i really appreciate it man of course and as far as movies are concerned i guess we should start with the fact that we watched robocop yesterday i think that was my first Only time watching that Harvey kitty did that is such a weird violent crazy movie verhoven uh, of course who did starship troopers and other things man he was just still killing it back then in the 80s or whatever that was yeah he so. was old when he made some of these movies i know but yeah i so i uh Never had seen RoboCop, and I have a friend who's... When we were in middle school, we were friends, and then he ended up going to USC film school, like, fancy guy. Mm-hmm. And he loved Indiana Jones, and he loved Predator. He liked all the Schwarzenegger movies, which was sure. what kids liked back then. But his other thing he loved was RoboCop. And then I had a friend that was just special effects kind of guy, and he loved Stan Winston, and he loved all the stop-motion stuff. And, and so we watched it, and it was just so weird. <laughs> <laughs> so weird such a weird movie and like shockingly violent at parts like the guy who runs into the toxic waste and his whole body melts off of his bones and you're like oh that's one of the most horrible things i've ever seen cool and in, f- and in fact has tons of social political commentary like a how do uh, authoritarian forces interact with uh capitalist uh interests and like mm-hmm. i mean it's like really co- complicated it's but it's also, yeah sure right but it's also uh you know a guy shooting up a bunch of stuff. <laughs> it's got, right. It's a nice mix. It's like yeah. everyone's got something in it for them. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So there you go. Robocop. And then last night, Tim, we watched another film. I think we've mentioned it before on this podcast. Oh, yeah. It was Cocaine Bear. Wait a sec. You're missing something before the bear. You're missing Please. something. Tell me. I showed you one scene from a movie. Because oh, what happened? oh, this is important. Yes. See, this is our loose format here. So I got kind of sick last week. <laughs> uh-huh. And this is for our listeners. To, I want to like share this like little mine of movie opportunity. 
So when I was a kid, my dad on uh, Sunday afternoons, we would watch Kung Fu. And I'm not talking like Kung Fu with Carradine or anything like that. I'm talking like Kung Fu movies, a lot of them from Hong Kong, Mm -hmm. dubbed like sketchy stuff, mostly from the 70s and early 80s. And I knew that this had had some influence on hip hop, which is kind of an interesting thing. So I decided I would look up Kung Fu movies. Dude, Amazon has all these like old Kung Fu movies on it right now. And That's I think so they must crazy. have always had it. Yeah. These are the movies that Tarantino just throws on when he's eating cereal in the morning and it influenced all of his work. Yeah, I love it. it yeah, it's like, uh, so I feel like I, redis- I discovered something. So I'm watching, I mean, they're from the 70s, most of them. So I'm watching, and, and they're from, I guess it's Shaw Brothers Studios, okay. who are like the uh, big studio that makes all these movies. And they were just like pumping them out like we used to pump out Westerns. They're fantastic. So we watched the first scene from uh, White Lotus Clan, and then I watched The 36th Chamber of Shaolin, which is what influenced the Wu-Tang Clan. And what was that scene about, album. Tim? It has to do with pressure points, because <laughs> okay, in Kung so Fu, I'm gonna, apparently... I'm going to yeah. share this. Yeah, you know. You were leading to this. In certain films, a lot of the Kung Fu masters will have a death point, like a pressure point that if you hit that or like pierce it or whatever, you'll die. Mm -hmm. Well, these two guys are fighting this guy and they can't figure out his pressure points. And it turns out that his pressure points are at a very delicate place. Delicate place for a man, which I would assume everyone has a pressure point, but apparently this kills that guy. So that's how they, they had to really fight. I would say fight dirty. <laughs> yeah, sure, yeah, sure. So for like 10 minutes, they were really going for that. They were going for the spot. pressure point for like 10 yeah. minutes and they finally got it. They but got anyway, it. it was something that I don't think I've ever seen in Western cinema. <laughs> <laughs> no, I Beautiful. I, I, and Tim it was gave very me a little surprising. taste of that. I'm very yeah, grateful. Yeah, yeah. It was uh, a little weird. Anyway, but there I want to say if you like Kung Fu movies, if you're like, oh, Jet Li's so great, well, why, you could go see Jet Li's first film for free. That's well, awesome. for the Amazon Prime. Yeah. So I'm like, it's all I'm on saying, Amazon. Go do it. It is. Yeah. Because yeah. everyone has Amazon Prime. Just turn it on. It's there. It's there. Kung Fu there. to your heart's delight. Yeah, Shaw Brothers. Think about the Shaw Brothers. Some of them are terrible. Some of them are good. So you got to, uh, if it starts like being so terrible, just turn it. Right. And you can look them up online. Like People review this. There's lots of geeks out there that love this. Perfect. There you go. So we watched the Kung Fu. We watched the Robocop. And then, of course, last night, we finally watched Cocaine Bear, which we have been talking about since, I don't know, every podcast for the last six months as if this is like God's gift to humanity. And then we finally pressed play on this movie, Tim, and we realized to our horror that... No, not even horror. It would have been better if it was horrific. It was better if there was horror, if it actually elicited horror. Um, It was more just like, this is a terrible movie. And you pretty much know it right from the beginning. And uh, I don't know. Let's. I just, but most the difficult thing about it is like I I spent the whole movie being like something's very wrong with this film, but I don't know exactly what it is. Definitely tonal problems. Mm-hmm. It doesn't really know if it wants to be an over the top comedy or if it wants to actually be taken seriously. Acting is terrible. What else? What do you got, Tim? I think it's trying to be campy, but it's like not, it doesn't achieve camp. So like, so it's like, it's trying to be witty, campy and gory. 
and it's not really like hitting on any of that. It's confusing to critics. I read some of the reviews even. It's mm-hmm. like they're like kind of confused. So like you're like, yeah, this is really well done. It has these elements are good. It has a lot of the pieces that you want in something, but nobody was giving it like an A or a four out of four. It was always kind of like three out of four, but and, and at the I, highest, I right? Three out of four at the highest, and I'm kind of like, I think there's something good here. The critic was, you know, because they were identifying all kinds of good pieces to it. Mm-hmm. I think it's trying to achieve like a low budget '80s thriller like a slasher movie mm-hmm. and it's trying to be witty and it's trying to be like meta, but it's not, mm-hmm. do, but it's like failing at all that. Yeah. It pretty much fails at all of it. I thought the bear looked pretty bad CGI wise. And that always takes me out of the movie. We had a whole conversation about that on our last show with the golden <laughs> compass. I just, yeah, it was just, uh, it was not good. The acting was pretty dang bad. Do you think if the bear was like, looked fake that this would have been a better movie? I do. If it looked even more fake than it already like if it did, looked is like somebody, saying? some guy was wearing shag carpet and like a bear head, <laughs> <laughs> that would have been better. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Right, like, it's I, like they were going for realism with the CGI, and you could tell they were like, "Oh, this looks pretty real," but like it would almost be better if they just gave up, right? And we're just like, "This is gonna well, like, be." Or like, what if you had the bear wearing sunglasses? And uh, this is my idea. And then he rolled up $100 bills and sniffed the cocaine that way. You know, you're on to something. Wouldn't, it, and wouldn't that, that have would be been like, like a at least true... something? They would have been like throwing us something there. Yeah. Uh... Or like on a, like one of them cigarette boats, like Miami Vice style. Mm-hmm. Have the bear driving it with a Hawaiian shirt on. You don't think so? I don't would think that so. Have, I, I mean, no, I think have... you're right. I think like you either had to go all in on camp or not, and they just they just did. Instead, it was just a mixy hodgepodge of everything. They were drifting in and out, and it was yeah. like there was a couple funny scenes, kind of like yeah. It, it kind of was like trying to go zombie with the bears. Like it's mm-hmm. like have you ever seen Zombie Land? Zombie Land accomplishes yeah. Yeah, all these Land things. Does that a much better job of that? Yeah. So Zombie Land would be the example of how this film could have been. Yeah. Which is. Zombies aren't real, right? Mm-hmm. Cocaine bears, there was one and it died and it didn't kill anybody. And But like you could have made Cocaine Bear like a zombie land kind of deal. Yeah. Where it's still tongue in cheek. We're all in this for a fun time. Yes, but still suspenseful, still a good story, right? Which is I think what they were going for. It's hilarious. You could have had four characters instead of 40. (laughs) Yes, yes. And have some well-rounded characters with a little bit of backstory, which there was none in this. You could have had rules for the cocaine bear like the zombies have at the beginning. (laughs) Exactly. Double tap. (laughs) I mean, yeah. It's just, you know what? And then the movie I watched after you went to bed um, is The Menu. And that is that movie that came out at the end of last year with Ray finds and it's like that is a dark comedy through and through about like a bunch of elite people who go to this restaurant on an island and then crazy stuff happens and that is just like perfectly razor sharp smart satire dark comedy like and nothing is supposed to be taken seriously but yet it is presented seriously and the acting is wonderful and there's clever writing and so like there is a way to do this but they did not so Cocaine Bear was a massive disappointment. Yeah, so I saw that movie on a plane. I thought that was a... It's not my style of movie, but it was done It was done well. It's yes. super gory, so I don't really like that. Yeah. But, I mean, obviously you got fine, so you got some killer acting. Oh, yeah. No pun intended. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, and then it plays off of the... Uh, I think it's good because it plays off of appetite. So, like, I think in the 80s you had these things like... Oh, these oh, these teenagers, these over sex teenagers, if they yield to their appetites, they'll die. 
And this one's more like if you yield to your snobby foodie appetite, you'll, you're doomed. Right. And his, <laughs> yeah. And it kind of plays off that sort of idea of, you know, um, how we all want to be on the inside of the uh, elite circle and everything. And then, uh, you know, yeah, no, it was it's good. But yeah, Cocaine Bear, I just I feel bad for hyping this movie so much. There's got to be at least a few listeners out there who are like, oh, they keep talking about this film. And then they press play and are like, I'm never listening to that podcast again. I'm sorry if that's you. Of course, you're not listening anymore. But it's a rough one. It's rough. <sighs> yeah, I just. I feel like it could have been more like if Ray Liotta had fought the bear like, and he was a good guy. Uh-huh. Like, can you imagine? I, I'm like, right, here, this is where you know your film sucks is if I'm rewriting it right now. Right. Okay? Uh, the, yeah. I spent like, the whole film doing good. that too. Like, re, like, like, couldn't you see All right, the cocaine bear? He goes, he sniffs his cocaine through the hundred dollar bill with his sunglasses and, and Hawaiian shirt on. And then Ray Liotta comes after him and they get in like some kind of fist fight. Like yeah. right, there right. You go. I like this. Yeah. And um, Ray Liotta, like this is where my kung fu has been influencing my thinking. <laughs> he gets hit in the corner of the mouth, and he t- he looks at his own blood. Like you, you, mm-hmm. you have to go with all the, uh, you know, cliche stuff. And and he looks at it, and he rubs it with his two, you know, in between his thumb and his index finger. Yeah. yeah. Like he's never been hit before or bled, and then he goes just absolutely loses it, and they get in some battle royal that to me is what this could have been yeah and so yeah and then lots of really bad special effects which is what i want they had bad special effects but they weren't bad enough for me they were like too earnest for it to embrace the bad that's the i don't know that's true they had some great actors they could have been like gave gave better lines too so but they had some terrible actors that shouldn't have talked correct (laughs) correct which is interesting because so like I watched this show called The Americans and um, it was basically about spies in the 80s and almost uh, the three principal cast members of that were in this movie Carrie Russell and her husband in that show and then the uh, woman who played the park ranger was also a prominent character in that show so I don't know why they did that but they did anyway yeah, but but even they, who are legitimately good actors, did not nail it. These performances, I don't know what you know, bad southern accents to boot. Ugh. Anyway, sorry guys, it was a failure all around. And mm. but we but we did it. We've seen it. We talked about it. The end. I guess that's all we can say on Cocaine Bear. <sighs> sorry, <laughs> we were so. I think we we might have built it up a little too much in our yeah, minds. That's true. And then when we actually watched it, we expected something. But we should have known because because people got all hyped before it, and you kind of heard a little bit afterwards, but not like, dude, you have to see it. I didn't have any of but those conversations. We both know people who really loved it. That's what is kind of irksome. Like I, I do have at least two friends who told me. One of them said they cried during it, and I still wow. don't know where that would be, what scene that would be. And the other person was like, "Oh, it was so great." So that makes me. And then you have uh, my a nephew lost you, his job yeah. over this movie <laughs> because he had got called in like when he had already bought tickets and he's like no thank you and the guy's like well don't come in anymore oh no and he's like that's fine got a new job he's good because he had like pre-ordered tickets for the opening night or whatever mm-hmm. so the dude lost his job over cocaine bear so i'm like this has got to be good now then again he's like it's 17 year old guy so yeah. i'm kind of like a little grain of salt right right but i trust him he's good he's got good taste in film yeah so part of me is like thinking in the back of my mind is it like we're just snobby critics and maybe like you know, normal people like really appreciate this. I don't know. Anyway, that's all we got. I don't know. Hey, maybe we are more. wrong, and maybe there are some listener out there who wants to tell us all about why Cooking Bear is amazing. Feel free to write us in podcast at cinemafaith.com. Let's talk about and it. I, and I'm okay with 
like there are movies where I feel like oh, I got the joke here. I'm part of like the I get this. There's some meta thing going on. I get the joke. This is hilarious. Okay, we get to be inside here. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of stuff like that out there that's witty, and then and I can get it if we like we miss something. Like I'll forgive yeah. us if yeah, we miss totally. something. Help us see it. Help us see what we missed. Like somebody might say, well, hey, this is because of this. This is trying to do this, you know, or it's playing off of some other movie that we didn't watch. Or hey, I'm okay with that. Yep. But help help us understand here. Help us know what's going on. What makes Cocaine Bear great? Because I can't see it. Yep. Please. We would love to. We'll, we'll, we, 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 if you write us in and tell us what you liked about it or didn't like about it, we will have one more Cocaine Bear discussion in our next show. That's a promise. So podcast mm-hmm. at cinemafaith.com. All right. Here's what I want to do for the rest of our time together, Tim. I knew this was going to be a loose sort of interesting new format. And so what I wanted to do was I reached out, like I think in a purpose, those of us who listen to podcasts, occasionally, usually once a year, there'll be a mailbag episode, you know, where Uh, listeners will write in questions or whatever. And had I been more prepared, because this was sort of an improv decision to just like press play and see what happens, then we would have reached out to, you know, our social medias and our listeners and we would have fielded some questions from y'all. But we didn't do that. And hopefully next year we'll do that if this be- we'll if we want it. to turn this into an annual thing. But, um, which is, would be kind of nice. Maybe like every June, sort of like halfway through the year, this is our like loose show. I don't know. Or maybe. May when all the crap movies are out. <laughs> or May. <laughs> or like early May or late April. Oh, yeah, but yeah. it could be a tradition when I'm out here, you know. I don't know. Anyway, point is, so maybe we'll do that next time. But since, but I just thought it would be fun to just take a step back and answer some questions. And who other to make some questions for us than Mr. Dan Baker? Our good friend, and I think we are still legally required to mention him on every podcast. So we yes, just yes, we're contractually obligated. Yeah, to right. mention Dan and his tasty, tasty ideas. <laughs> I have so, a bowl of his ideas every morning. Every morning, so I reached out to Dan, and I was like, They're Dan. "Nutritious, delicious, and also sugar free." Because one thing about Dan is he not only is just, you know, great guy, he also tends to have a pulse on the people. You know what I mean? So, like, I felt like Dan might be able to come up with... Yeah. No. (laughs) I felt like Dan might be able to come up with some questions that maybe our listeners would ask if we had, you know, polled people or whatever. So I was like, Dan, throw some questions at us. I'm literally not going to look at them. Tim's not going to look at them. I haven't. And we're going to pull up your email live and we're just going to answer some questions. And that's how we're going to spend the rest of the show. So are you ready, Tim, for this? I I was hoping this would happen for years, that Dan would ask us questions without being here. All right, Perfect. let's do it. We have no idea what's what's about to happen. It could be provocative questions, could be fun, but here we go. You Question haven't number looked one. at him yet. You I haven't, haven't looked, looked at, at him. him. I'm looking at him right now. Question number one is, what's the first movie you remember seeing in a theater? Oh, why don't you go first, John? I know mine. I got mine in my head. If you if you don't have yours, then I can get mine. Do you have yours? It's tough. I mean, I feel like... Ooh, you go first. You go first. I'm going to think one more time. Okay, so I remember this for several reasons. Okay, when I was a kid, I lived in kind of a sketchy neighborhood, drug dealers, a lot of bikers and stuff. No offense to bikers, but it was different back then. It was the, it was the late 70s, early 80s. Sure. The first film that I remember seeing in the movie theater was Return of the Jedi, which was a big Ooh. deal because I was little. So I got taken to the theater at the mall, you know, next to J.C. Penney, or no, Sears, next to Sears. And there was a movie theater, and we went to the movies, and it was, like, just incredible, a little bit scary. Darth Vader was a little scary to me. 
And then when we got back, our house had been robbed. Oh, no. Are you serious? Yeah, yeah. Dude. So my first memory of, of a movie was a Star Wars movie. So I have like, that's really, I have a positive feeling about it. Yeah. But it also was accompanied with us. If we leave our house, somebody robbed our house. Oh, my gosh. They got like, they actually broke open our piggy bank because they're probably drug, you know, drug addicts. Yeah. So they're trying to get whatever they can. So that was like, I was, I couldn't not remember that. Mm-hmm. It's a, That's such a violating feeling when someone robs your house. We had that happen when I was a kid too. And I remember the, the crowbar marks on the door and it's like someone was in our house. It's so creepy. Yeah. So uh, anyway. There you go. Return of the Jedi. Yeah. Return of the Jedi. Cool movie. Very cool experience. Go ahead. I cannot remember what the very first movie I saw. The most... The earliest theater memory I have is Jurassic Park because like, and I would have been 10. And so I know there were things before that. I know I must have seen some children's movies before that in the theater, but that's the one I remember because I distinctly remember just being so freaked out by it. I was a little too young and I stood up and was like, we got to go. This is so scary as the storm was approaching and I knew the dinosaurs were about to get out. So that's like my earliest theater memory, but there must have been some like, you know, something before that but that's all i got for now yeah so, so my grandma she died last year she's like in her 90s and she remembered her first movie she saw in the theater guess what yeah. it was what was it gone with the wind bambi good guess no earlier bambi oh yeah and she she remembered that like really vividly so that's a that's great a question like yeah. so like at the end of her life that's what she remembered so i, I was thinking about that because like it's a i always remember that about her I was like, dang, that's an old movie. <laughs> All right, question yeah. two. Speaking of Shyamalan, Dan thought we were oh, going to mention nuts. Uh, M. Night Shyamalan. What okay. is the most surprising twist in your life so far? Whoa. Ooh. That's oh, a hey. crazy question. Oh, Here we go. Hey. We're getting real now. Twist in your life so far, Tim. My twisted life. <laughs> uh, oh wow. This is your hard, it's hard to be on the fly here. I'll do what I can. I don't twist is like a, in a good way would be I got to adopt kids which mm. I didn't have in any plan of mine and so we have three adopted kids and that was a total like I didn't see that coming it happened and it was wonderful it's like the best thing that ever happened to me Beautiful. and so and they're great kids I know right, but I've been like, I didn't expect it Summer always tells people, we got kids who do good old-fashioned way. We filled out paperwork. (laughs) (laughs) That's awesome. Oh, my gosh. But, yeah, it's really – it's interesting. It's different. It's challenging sometimes. Sometimes it's rewarding. And our kids will be very quick to remind you that we chose them and other kids just got born to their parents. (laughs) Yeah, that's right. (laughs) They they like to rub that in. They're like, yeah, your parents said if they had a choice, uh, you know (laughs) – so anyway, but that was definitely uh, something I didn't see coming, but it was very, you know, as a younger person and then ended up just really being blessed by it. So yeah, there you go. Beautiful. Well, I have a couple. I mean, one of the biggest ones was I went to school for film and I thought that that's what I would be doing for the rest of my life. And then I had to pivot when we started having kids. And so I got this job in the mortgage industry and that sort of changed the trajectory of my life. So that's one of them. I would say most recently would be probably attending therapy. Like I did that last year when I was just kind of running into a wall with some personal issues and stuff. And that's been very life changing. I was telling Tim a little bit about that, about like, you know, I've been, we've mentioned the Enneagram before on this show, but like one of the things about me is that I 
like have spent my whole life not really trusting myself and trusting my own decisions. And so attending therapy and really like diving into those things has really opened up so many doors for me. And like, I I feel more confident. I feel more like secure in instead of constantly orienting outside of myself and outside of with other people and things like that, just feeling more secure about who I am and kind of like being able to you sort of navigate through life with my own two feet. So that's been a very life changing twisty thing that happened recently. And yeah, there you go. That's fantastic, man. That's very cool. So for folks out there that, you know, may, cause it can be a little scary. I've done therapy. Mm-hmm. And a lot of times, like, there might be a stigma against it in your family system, yeah. or you'd be like, well, um, I feel weak if I go talk to somebody, especially guys. I, and I'm just telling you, but I know I've done that, you've done that. And so maybe we have some listeners that are like, man, I got some problems that are a little too big for me. Yeah. You'd recommend it? Oh, 100%. Yeah. It's, it's, it is scary because you, you're getting very honest with someone. Um, but like, there's nothing like it just being able to, someone who knows the tools and can give you the tools to work through things in real time and be like, you know, you always run into this dead end, this roadblock. And here's um, some tips on how to navigate that. It's just, it is, was life changing for me. And I know a lot of people, it was life changing for them. So I would highly recommend it. If you so not can. easy thing to do, no, but a trans, no. but something that has been like a big thing that's changed your life more, yeah, more or less here a lot. Absolutely. Cool. All right, number three. What is one movie ending you would change? Hmm. Wait a sec. This is a great question, but now I'm going through like 50 movies in my head. <laughs> I know. I know. Uh, movie. Well, oh, it was oh, one of the oh. movies. Go ahead. We've talked in the past about a uh, no. Minority Report and AI. I think we mentioned that once, and I don't know yes. if it if it made it into those shows when we talked about it, but those would be the two that always come to my mind because I feel like those two movies are perfect until the end. AI, you have this perfect ending where Haley Joe Osment is at the bottom of the lake and he's staring at the blue fairy. Movie should have ended right there. It's like, boom. It's tragic. It's awful. He's down there for the next billion years just staring at the fairy. But the it had end. to go happy ending. Instead, they went happy. He reunites with his mom, and it's like so sappy and awful. Minority Report, it should have ended right at the end with that awesome noir ending where Tom Cruise like busts into the party and ruins everything and whatever. Instead, they have Spielberg, Spielberg again, has to end it with the cabin and the, the precogs are all around the fire, and it says, and they lived happily for the rest of their days or something. And I'm like, come Blah, on, dude. Who come cares on. about the precogs? So <laughs> those would be my two. So are those both Philip K. Dick stories? I think so. Yeah, yeah. and both Spielberg. So there's a there's something going on there. Yeah, there's something bothering you. I think it's the Spielberg factor. You're like, I love Spielberg and I hate the ending, so I have to change. So I don't want to change the ending. I'm going to slightly change, you know, modify the question, which isn't fair. <laughs> but I would change. I want to know what's in the suitcase in Pulp Fiction. Ooh, yeah, that very it's a gold glow of something and we don't know what it is. That's good. So I'm yeah. not saying necessarily that it should be changed cuz I don't know what's in the suitcase. Mm-hmm. And people have all kinds of theories which maybe makes it more fun. So like it's it's his soul, you know, like uh, Samuel yeah. Jackson's soul or it's uh you know, I don't want to get into what people think it is, but I want to know what it is. Yeah. What is so valuable in that suitcase? You know, and sure. so that's so so changing the ending would be like, I kind of want to know that. But then maybe I don't want to change the ending. I 
would like to change this. We, I told you about Return of the Jedi. I would mm-hmm. like to change the ending of Return of the Jedi back to the original ending of Return of the Jedi. <laughs> oh, right. Which, you mean before he added in the stupid city thing and all there's that There's too many people. So I want to have the teddy bear picnic, which is still there. Oh, I you don't have- want Anakin showing up with his stupid Hayden Christensen face at the end. I don't either. That's, That's a travesty. Okay. I guess oh, really? it's okay. Oh, I think the the biggest thing is there's a song that was written oh, by the song. Yeah, the Mebop Chub Chub song that's mm-hmm. in my head. And it's not in the you can't you can't hear it anymore. Yeah, it's like yub yub, mebop, chub chub. <laughs> it's not in there. Oh my God. So it was in the original ending and then they changed it to something else. Mm. Okay. So and that was uh, John. And that's Williams. what you remember seeing in the theater when you were just a, a it's little It's my one. first movie. I can't even see my first movie now because right. they changed the ending and they added all kinds of weirdo mid nineties CGI to it. Yeah. Anyway, so uh, I guess I would like to have that changed back. Thank you very much, Disney. I love it. Change it back to the original and uh, include John Williams' son, Mebop Chub Chub song or whatever. (laughs) All right. There you go. Uh, Number four, what is one book to movie adaptation you want to happen before you die? Book to movie adaptation. Well, I would have said The Golden Compass uh, before they finally did it with HBO, but we've been all over that. Hmm. There is a book I love called, and I'm trying to remember what it's called. It's about like a magician and uh, anyway, I don't know. I can't think of it, but there is one book that they did turn into like a BBC TV adaptation, Which, but I want that to be a really, I think it would be a really great movie and it's a terrible story because I can't remember the name of it, but anyway. So there's that. What do you got, Tim? All right. So uh, there's a book by Jack London called The Sea Wolf. Mm-hmm. So it, I don't know, written in the aughts or teens or something. I can't remember. And it's about this journalist who's kind of lived a life of privilege, whose dad's kind of funding his lifestyle. A ferry boat sinks in San Francisco in the Bay and he gets washed out and the boat picks him up like a uh, merchant vessel. And it has like this absolute like tyrannical captain on it okay and he gets like basically conscripted or whatever the version is like they basically make him be a crew member and i would love it has a whole bunch of twists and everything i would love to see that turned into a film nice a sea captain like how you run your home tim are yeah see then i could learn i could have visual aids all i have now is words i need yeah, visual yeah. aids i love it and then the other one would also be uh well uh, another one that is unfortunate to me because I'm on this theme of sea captains and ships and such, is Master and Commander mm. is based on these P.T. O'Brien books. Yeah, and, and they made uh, a movie of it with Russell Crowe. Right. So they made a movie, and it contains, I think, elements of one or two or three of the books, but there's like a whole bunch of the books. And they were had always envisioned making that into a series. And it is such a great film that I cannot believe that there isn't, there aren't more of those. I guess I don't know what the deal with that is. I think I read somewhere that maybe it wasn't as profitable as they had hoped. Right. Fantastic film, incredible audio on that film, just beautiful film, good acting. And there should have been, instead of having 16 Pirates of the Caribbean, we should have had some more Master and Commanders. So those are my, you could tell my totally style of adventure. That. Yeah. I agree. And speaking, you love the sea captain stuff. Did you like the lighthouse with. 
the dude who was like the ultimate cranky sea captain on there. I forget his name. Willem Dafoe. Did Willem. you like that whole like? He's like, it's like I mean, there's your ultimate like sea captain. Oh, I'm trying dude. to remember if I now I don't know if I uh, saw. It. it was called the Lighthouse, right? Yeah, the Lighthouse by um, you know, who's the guy. in it? And let me double check Eggers. if I director it's the, uh, yeah, but who, Pat, or, uh, so it's two, Willem Dafoe and what's that dude from Twilight who's like a vampire and he's but he's been in other stuff oh gosh blanking on name see this is Which why we're just totally it? off the cuff here there's is no outline team, no, yeah he was team, like a teenage uh, heartthrob and I know Robert Pattinson Robert there, Pattinson no, yeah I know we all know who you're talking about we're all in love anyway, with him a little bit I like that we all, movie, have, we all have feelings about him I just think about you when I uh, when I Think Wait, of no, Captain stuff. I think I've seen that film and it was just it was okay. Uh-huh. That's, that was my take on it. But I, I think I have seen it. It's been a while, isn't it? Like four years old, maybe. Yeah, it's 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 pretty old, but it's well, well worth a rewatch. I thought it was a masterpiece when I rewatched it again. All right, question five: What is closer to your creative sweet spot? Writing, directing, acting, foley, or key grip? Wow. Okay, foley. so he's basically like, <laughs> if you had to be like do movie <laughs> stuff. <laughs> Sorry, I'm doing foley. <laughs> Thank you. If you Sorry. had to do movie stuff, like what would you do? I guess you or me. So yeah, I would definitely do writing. That's what I went to school for is film writing. I like writing because it's you don't directing is very difficult. You have to basically like compromise your vision, right? When you get and and any good director will tell you this is like you come to the set with a plan with your idea of the movie in your head, and then that gets changed a billion times over the course of the film. You have to let your actors sort of like have their say, and everybody has to work together. And you could even have the best idea and script in the world, and you can totally screw it up because this collaboration just didn't work out. Whereas in writing. It's like you're God. You you make the entire thing. It's all you. You live and die by yourself. That's my jam. What about you, Tim? Writing, directing, acting, Foley, or Key Grip? Uh, I think um, probably the writing or the directing. So I know okay. that's not fair, but probably writing because then you can kind of create your world. I think the director also compromises everyone else's vision of the film too, right? Uh-huh. So like, who's going to crush the writer's idea about it? The director. Ha ha ha. Yeah. We can't do that scene because and the writer's like, but that scene's critical to the whole meaning of the work I just did. But I think probably the writing, because it's like more, it feels like creative control that's individual. Mm-hmm. So you can, instead of like, you don't have to work with the whole team and like do like what you're saying, compromise. You, you basically what you end up having is you have to you're sacrificing your uh, your greatest ideas of your life to uh, some awful director, yeah, and having right. it de- yeah totally destroyed. Totally. Like uh, who's the guy that wrote? Uh, oh, he wrote Taxi Driver. I'm forgetting his name. Oh, he's wrote, he, we did we reviewed uh, First Reform Schrader. Schrader. Paul. Yeah, is it Paul? No, not Paul. Paul Schrader or something like yeah. that. I think it is. Yeah, like that's his career is mm-hmm. basically having his like these great works like base shredded by uh, directors. Destroyed, mm-hmm. absolutely destroyed. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, that's, and that's depressing. It's depressing. So then he tries to make his own, and he's not a good. He's just an okay director. That's the thing, right? Because like you have to get to the place where you can even do that writing and directing your own thing, and you also have to be good at it because they're you know that's it's two different skill sets, and mm-hmm. yeah, it's tough. All right, cool, cool, cool. All right, number six: a movie villain or monster is chasing you. Who is it, and how do you escape? Wow. So I guess what I'll I'll tweak this a little bit. What's your ultimate movie monster or villain, and how would you escape them? Like, what's the <laughs> one you're most scared of? Go most ahead, scared of or my ultimate? Uh, okay, let's do both. Most scary and ultimate. Okay, I think the ultimate is the Stay Puft Marshmallow Man. 
great. Awesome. Yeah. And so I think he's the ultimate because he is something childhood innocent and then uh, turns into like a uh, weapon of mass destruction. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. he smiles as he's trying to murder people. It's creepy. I know. And it comes from your mind. That's from Ghostbusters, of course. From Ghostbusters. So the, and then the idea that what's also terrifying is the idea that you'd have to clear your mind so that the, uh, the demon wouldn't use your own thoughts to destroy you. That's like pretty intense. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I don't know how I feel about that. So that's scary. And then the other thing I was going to say is probably one of the other ones that I find incredibly scary is the nothing in the never ending story is terrifying to me. Yeah. It's just this force that's coming and you can't stop it. Mm-hmm. And your horses sink into it. And it's like all, so that's also like your mind, right? So those are kind of like, it takes over when you, when you basically give up. So mm-hmm. it's like when you're, when you feel depressed, and there's something and human, you, right, about like that existential yeah. dread in your brain, because like you, we can kind of relate to that as adults. It's sort of like the nothing comes up on you sometimes. <laughs> it does. Yeah. So you're like, what's the point? We can't ever get past. Well, ne- I'll never be able to fight this force. What's the point? I'm mm-hmm. just going to give up. And then it takes you. And then there's nothing left. It annihilates you. Oof. So uh, that's scary. And then um, the scary movie would be, I think it was Event Horizon scared the... Oh yeah, out of me as a kid. <laughs> Sam Neill. That's a scary movie. Yeah, I watched I probably, that like yeah. as as like an eighteen year old maybe, and it just scared the heck out of me. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna have to go with Jaws. Uh, that shark coming at me in the water. I saw that when I was young, and it, I mean, made me terrified of the ocean. And so there is something just always that has been terrifying about water in the sense that you can't see what's happening below you and especially in the ocean there's so many things that can hurt you down there i mean we were even talking yesterday about in the lake snapping turtles right it's just that idea oh, of that yeah. like there's this thing and it might you know get you when you least expect it i just i don't understand why anyone can embrace a body of water that has things like that in it it's it's awful i've been, only been in the ocean once in connecticut and i spent the whole time going like nope 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 that is scary so it's like the fear of the unknown yeah, right, exactly. I would say, like, the ultimate movie villain as a person, like, if we're talking about people, is probably, like, or one of the most contemptible. If cause I, And I know this because I just saw this uh, or showed it to my son a little while ago, is the most, like, contemptible villain that you just want to murder because he's so awful is Percy from the Green Mile. Just want to strangle that guy. So it's a sadistic villain. A sadistic villain who just hurts mm. weak people and, you know, tramples on innocence. Like that all, like I don't like bullies. Like bully, there's nothing that gets my blood boiling more than arrogance and bully behavior. And so, yeah, I spend the whole movie every time I watch that going, Percy. Jesus says to love your enemies, but that's that's tricky. So yeah, so they're they're channeling into our fears we already have, basically. Yeah, exactly. All right. Mm-hmm. So uh, let's do one more question from Dan, and then we're going to do a rapid fire at the end here. So one more question: What theme in film needs to end because it's played out? Is there a theme, Tim, that has just been done too many times? Hmm. I think there isn't. Really. That's yeah. a good answer. Yeah. And I'm sure somebody will point out some theme, but I'm thinking like an, as far as like themes being like a big point to the story or I don't think there is. I think that there's themes that have been done. I think there's stuff that's been done the same way over and over again that needs to change. But the theme itself, I think I don't think there is one. I think you can. I think you can do similar themes over and over again, but accomplish them in different ways. And so I don't think that that's. 
I don't think that that is an issue. I think that I that's something yeah, that we yeah. can go with. You take any theme like sacrifice or anything like that. I feel like it, it, when it's done in a compelling way, it's never old. It's always fresh and beautiful. Yeah. And even like a revenge narrative. Mm-hmm. So like, I know we don't like, both of us are not real big revenge narrative fans, right? No. But you can do a revenge narrative in a way that's not with an AK-47. Yeah. So like we hate, we don't like that theme as revenge, right? But I think you can do a revenge that's like a, a different style of a revenge narrative, you know, that, that it, and, it, and it can be in a way that's not just pure violence. <laughs> right. So I, even if even that theme could be done. Perfect. All right. Those are Dan's questions. And now Dan also included, you guys, anyone seen inside the actor's studio, you know, his uh, spiel that he <laughs> runs at the end. Dan thought it would be good if we did that since we've never done that before. And like, you know, those are always like really good questions. So we're going to go rapid fire. We can't spend a lot of time on this. You're supposed to just sort of answer quickly. That's okay. how the, the format is. So you, so I'll say the question, you, you go and then I'll go. Okay. All right. Number one, what's your favorite word? My favorite word? Is that what yep. you said? Whatever comes to the top of your head. Favorite word. Yeah ecstatic ecstatic mine is grace it's always been grace and that's the root for all my uh, passwords too if you need to get in my bank account oh geez (laughs) what is your favorite or your least favorite word sorry what's your least favorite word no Ooh, good one I would probably say poop or something. Like, I don't know. I grew up in this very prudish family where we didn't talk about bodily functions and things like that. So whenever someone just like goes for it like that, like my boys, I always get a little grossed out. But Mm. that's just growing up with me and my mom. We didn't, you know, we didn't discuss those things. All right. What turns you on creatively, spiritually or emotionally? Uh, I would say teamwork. Mm. So working with the team. Sure. I guess I would say whenever I'm just tapped into something beyond myself. So whenever I, even when I'm writing like the outline to a podcast or something like there is a moment when I'm just feel like I'm tapping into like the God particles or whatever, like, like something mm. like I'm just in the zone. The you know, ether. I think any writer can feel like you're just, I'm suddenly outside of my body, like in the zone or whatever. So yeah. that that's always a fun feeling. Yeah. And it turns me on. And of course, watching great art is just always a mm-hmm. huge turn on for me. What turns you off, Tim? Lying. Mm. So like if I feel like something untrue, a work of art, or if I feel like it's inauthentic, or I feel like there's, and it, it doesn't have to be like, I'm not making a more, I'm just saying if it feels untrue or it feels like out of accord with what it's trying to be, that's a turn off to me. I'd rather have people be who they are. Sure. I would say any form of like arrogance or condescension is an immediate turnoff and nothing gets my blood boiling more. So definitely that. Yeah. What is your favorite curse word? Uh, let me think. Let me think. Let me think. I like, I lately have been saying this is Jeez <laughs> Louise. I know like yeah. that sounds so Christian, but like oh, uh, no. it's, it's actually Jesus Louise. So I uh, know uh, I say it the most. Go, geez Louise, like uh-huh. that. My I kids have heard started, you say that. Yeah, and my kids say it all the time. That's how I know I say it all the time, and I kind of just like saying it. So I don't know. Uh, don't get me wrong. I'm not. I do cuss, but like uh, I like that better because nobody because I don't have a lot of people in my life that say that one. It's like it's not a curse word. It's just kind of like a. But it's a a kind of exchange. It's kind of my profanity of choice. Geez Louise. Geez Louise. Beautiful. <laughs> so, so it's not profane, but it's like more creative i think 
In that vein, the most common curse word that I say around my house and in front of my kids is Judas Priest. I don't know where it started. I don't know where it came from, but I'm always like, Judas Priest. And so it's weird. I don't even get it. Like, I know Judas obviously was, you know, the villain in the Bible. So maybe it comes from that and whatever. So I just say that a lot around the house and they mock me for it. Um, But (laughs) my favorite curse word, like our actual like swear word would definitely be the F word. I think it's beautiful. I think it's multi-use. I think you can use it in so many different contexts and I just like it. And I'm sorry, that's going to offend a lot of people out there, but you show me definitive proof from scripture where swear words any word can, is innately evil it's it's ridiculous it, it it's all about what it comes from the heart you can say dang it in anger at someone and that is a sin whereas a casual effort isn't that's my view on swearing hey if you don't agree write us in we'll have so that my, my take on the effort is it comes out of doesn't it come out of a puritan response to uh so like the actual, it's like for unlawful carnal knowledge is the F word. Oh, I did not and know so that. So they would put it, like if they put someone in stocks, they could put, a, they could put not the whole thing, but they'd write the F word above there. For, that's a, like an acronym for unlawful carnal knowledge? That's wow. what my under, I could be wrong. That's my understanding. And I think it was like in the, yeah, basically for somebody who did something that was sexually deviant, they would put it on there. <laughs> okay, great. So anyway... Yeah, I know. I think that's correct. I could be wrong. <laughs> I know a lot about bad things. Okay, so I like the usage of a redneck F word. Have you ever seen um, Office Space? Sure. Yeah, of course. There's that actor from Drew Carey, I forgot his name, who's like the construction worker that lives next to uh, the main protagonist. Yeah, I know. I can see his face. Yeah, don't know And his, his response to every situation is he says, F and A, man. <laughs> <laughs> That is funny. So it's like so yeah. it's functioning like not a cuss word. It's functioning as just like affirming something like that is true, right? That is true. So I've come to like text with a few pr- friends. I'll text F and A if I think something's really great. <laughs> so that's a not a good way, to, kids. Don't be uh, right. Right. Do do All as the kids I uh, who listen to us every month. Don't do this. Do as I don't say. Yeah. <laughs> Perfect. Or do. All right. All right, Tim. What sound or noise do you love? Uh, I love the the sound of a trout stream. Mm, of course you do. And it's beautiful. Yeah. I would have to say this is the most cliche answer because I've literally heard celebrities say this on this show, but it is true. I love little kids laughing. I think there's nothing that's more pure in all the world than a little kid like maybe eight years old just giggling over something. I mean, it, you cannot smile at that. It's perfect. Mm. What sound or noise do you hate? I really, this happened the other day when I think we were at a church, maybe. No, it might have been in a restaurant. The sound of a baby having a fit and not being able to calm down. Yeah, uh, good one. That always has bothered me because I think there's something in me that wants to calm the baby down. And when it's not my baby, I can't do that. Right. And so I feel like deep frustration about that. Yeah. And I'm like, fix the baby. The baby needs something. Help, help. It's driving me You feel insane. so powerless and it's activating all this stuff uh-huh. inside of you, right? Yeah, which I think is like some kind of biological response. Like, mm-hmm. I think it's like that's common in a lot of uh, dads, actually. Yeah. 
That's why God made it that way. I hate the sound of a garbage disposal. I also especially hate when I accidentally press the button and I'm thinking it's the light switch and it's like two in the morning and the garbage like, disposal goes ah! off. <laughs> nothing worse. Like, I did that in your that? kitchen. I, so I went on this mission to turn off the light in your kitchen. It took me 10 minutes and I accidentally hit the garbage disposal and I was like, oh my God, I just woke up the entire house. We have some confusing lighting situations <laughs> in there. I, it's not your fault, John. Uh-huh. All right. What profession other than your own would you like to attempt? Hmm. So like a dream, uh, I think probably a dream of mine would always have been to, um, to feature writing at a newspaper that, uh, Interesting. And then go, so I could do the, the people part. So like go interview people mm-hmm. and then also be able to, and then have some creative control. That's more than just like, okay, this lead has to be like, just like this. So it'd have like a little bit more flexibility and format and I could go longer than other types of articles. So I think that would be kind of neat feature writing, kind of get the flavor of things. Yeah, sure. I did a little bit of newspapers, journalism, by the way, in college for our local newspaper uh, at, at our college. And it was kind of very stressful. The only thing, because I, cause like you take these interviews and then you like, if you get anything wrong whatsoever, the people get very upset at you. So that would stress me out, but that's interesting. I didn't know you had mm-hmm. that loving you yeah yeah i think it'd be cool i but i want it to be old school so it's not reasonable so i, uh-huh. I want to like show up to the newsroom and like have my office and like drink coffee and like you know have everybody be like you know talk about what they're doing yeah those and, days uh, are long gone newspaper no, it's dead. so a reporter now is let's find out what's already out there and we'll recycle it <laughs> <laughs> right yeah and you could be a normal human now you've got to be like i've got four degrees from ivy league colleges and i make thirty thousand dollars a year at the post <laughs> <laughs> oh it's so sad it's true i know so those days are over but i've always that was always a job that i loved the idea of being a screenwriter would definitely be my no surprise there. I've always had a fantasy when I was younger of just like having an office and banging out a movie and then just the thrill of like, you know, if I was really good at it and I could like make the, you know, maybe I spend two months working on the screenplay, then I turn it in and I get paid for, you know, a good amount of money for the next couple of years, take a little time off, then write a movie again. Like that was always like what I thought I was going to do. But mm. um, that is a privileged life that unfortunately did not work well with having kids and so, oh, well, in my dreams, at least I get to do this. But you've done some writing. Oh, yeah. No, I, I'm still writing. I'm still, you know, creative and creating. But um, and I am still working on the old screenplay from college. So I'm, I'm, you know, every every like few years, I'm like, I'm doing it. And then I like start at page one and end up rewriting the whole thing again. But it's OK. Anyway, it's maybe someday. The rewrite's too tempting. I know. I know. And I shouldn't. You're right. Keep Next going. time, I just need to take off where I left off. Don't even look at it. Just be like, anyway, whatever. Because you'll always find flaws in the writing. Yep. I mean, it could be huge, but you're going to want to fix the flaw, and it's better to get more stuff out there. I know. What profession would you absolutely not like to do, Tim? <sighs> Children's ministry director. <laughs> Ooh, <good one. laughs> it's like all the things that I just wouldn't like at all. I'm like, okay, I'm going to be calm in every single interaction. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to like spend uh, my next three weeks like making craft kits mm-hmm. or uh, like that kind of stuff. It would be like, I would fail very quickly at all that. Sounds terrible. No, I'm totally with you on that. And kids can be exasperating if they're not your own, even your own, but like, especially if they're not your own, you're just like, stop. That just, baby. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> that restaurant baby. <laughs> um, I would definitely not like to be a garbage collector 
God bless all those people who do that every day. I don't like the smells. I that's just not for me. I don't like gross things. I have to hold my nose when I take my own trash out. Like it's just not it's not my jam. So uh definitely would not appreciate that. Oh. That uh, wouldn't bother me, but you would hate that. I would hate it. Do they really get paid well? That's always like the the thing is like, oh, but they get paid where... really well. Do they? Yeah, they're sanitation engineers. Oh. And I think they get paid uh Depending on where you live, they get paid well. Okay. It's a hard job. That's a difficult job. Difficult From job. From a like, fi- like physically demanding job. Final question, Tim. In the age to come, what would you like to hear God say when you arrive? I think um, it's all going to be okay. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Yeah. It's all going to be okay. Don't worry. It's all going to be okay. I think my picture of how I want it to go is just sort of running up to Jesus's arms and him saying something like my son, I love you, or maybe not even saying anything at all. And I just sort of rest in his lap. That's always how I've thought of it and how like the the connection that I've had with God ever since I was a kid. And I still feel like a kid when I think about him. So that would be probably mine. It's just the fatherly role and the love of God. Mm. All right. Well, I guess that's it. Thank you, Dan Baker, for those wonderful questions. I hope you, dear listeners, got something different out of us than normal. We Again, there's no outline, no plan, and maybe it was so terrible listening to it that you'll now appreciate how much work goes into this every single month. Do you think Dan's going to try to hire us? Because those seem very... I feel like we were, they were super creative HR yeah like like we just got we feel like we got done with an interview just now that's true but like a cool interview not like a like terrible interview like a good interview Mm -hmm. like dan can we work for your creative consultant firm now and he's like absolutely not those are terrible answers tim (laughs) yeah yeah we we failed the test uh this was our hr and we did not do well Oh, we. Well, I think, but I think we did all right. I think you did well. Oh, I think I did all right. Well, you did too, yeah. Tim. Tim, thanks, man. You're the best. I'm so grateful that we got to be here together and we got to do this, and that I can just. I'm looking around your kitchen right now, and I'm just, yeah. Here we are in the year of our Lord, 2023, in Kansas City, Missouri. It's beautiful. It's true. It is beautiful. We um, have not run into animals who have been ingested cocaine in large amounts today. <laughs> no. Even there's animals. I saw a turtle walk by. And I, well, yeah. And I went in um, to the lake last night to sit on a bench and appreciate all that. And when I was walking back up your backyard, I almost stepped on a very angry, rabid looking raccoon. Not raccoon, but like, what, what was that? Yeah, that's what it was. Oh, that thing yeah. looked like it wanted to hurt me. It just stared me down. So had I stepped on it, I probably would have gotten bitten and having to go to get a rabies Just shot think Guardians of the Galaxy. Raccoons are dangerous. Stay <laughs> Very away from dangerous. them. Very dangerous. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah. Think of it that way. Just use Rocket as your uh, your guide. All right. Well, I guess we're going to wrap this up. Tim, uh, I'm going to take a shower, and then we are off to get some authentic Kansas City barbecue. That is happening today. That's true. We're going to go hit the Jack Stacks. We got Q39 last time, Mm -hmm. and then, you know, who knows what's going to happen in the future. Perfect. Well, thank you guys so much for listening to our Rambly show, and hopefully we'll make a little yearly tradition of that, a nice break from the format once every year. And we will be back next month. No idea what we're going to review. We'll have to hash that out, but uh, we will see you soon. Until then, keep the faith, my friends. We will see you next time.